Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. This is Mike Collins here, and you're very welcome to this episode of the Letter from Ireland podcast. Now, we have quite a show for you today because we have a bit of a grab bag of different words in the title of today's show entitled Ireland, Religion, Methodists, Quakers and Pennsylvania. So how do they all tie together? Well, what we decided to do was approach two of the minority religions in Ireland with a couple of stories. So we're going to have a look at Methodists. Um, we're going to look at the actual, I suppose, kind of the presence of Methodism in Ireland. Uh, look at through the lens of one particular man. I guess kind of to give you a bit of perspective with regards to when you start to research your Irish ancestors, it becomes very, very obvious that all was not as monochrome as you might have imagined. You know, this idea perhaps of Protestantism on one side, Roman Catholicism on the other side. There was a lot of mixing, um, interaction, intermarriage, all sorts of things. So we'll have a look at Methodism in the first place. After that, then, we'll have another letter which will look at the Quakers in Ireland, uh, their presence, uh, their effect during the famine especially. And I think what you might find to be a very surprising connection between um, a town or village in County Cork and the founding of the state of Pennsylvania. So we're going to cover those two letters and along the way, lots of music on the way as well. In fact, today we're going to feature the music of the chieftains. And we're going to start with the song here from Rita McNeil and the Chieftains. Now, Rita McNeil, the late Rita McNeil, was a native of Cape Breton in Nova Scotia in uh, Canada. And uh, we actually visited Cape Breton there a few years back and were shown around uh, by a gentleman called Jack Coffey. Hiya, Jack. And uh, it was absolutely a beautiful, beautiful place. But one thing that struck us was the advent of the actual Irish place names along the way as we went around the particular island. And of course, that was put in place because of the presence of Scots Gaelic brought in by the people who were cleared from the Highland clearances in Scotland back in the day. And the, of course, the ancestors of Rita McNeil, the singer, was one of those people. So here we actually have Rita McNeil and the Chieftains with our first song called Come By The Hills. And following that, Karina is going to read out Religion in Ireland, A Methodical Approach. Peaks meet the sky and the 
locks me to see Where the rivers run clear And the bracken is gold in the sun And cares of tomorrow must wait Till this day is done saying in Ireland, never talk about religion or politics in the pub. It will only end in a fight. Religion in Ireland has come to signify a lot more than a person's spiritual beliefs or church-going habits. Over the centuries, religion was the place where you made your stand, a place that stood for your culture, traditions and history. And it also became a badge that locked you in or out of opportunity, advancement and wealth. By 1911, we had four primary religions in Ireland. Roman Catholicism for 85% of the population, and then the three main Protestant religions, Church of Ireland, Presbyterianism and Methodism. 
I don't know about you, but talking about religion never works for me unless we bring it down to a human level, the level of the story and the individual. So why don't we just do that? A while back, as part of my research into the 13 pubs of Ballady Hob, bear with me here, I examined the 1911 census for the Ballady Hob area in County Cork. My own father's family was born and reared in those parts. I was drawn in by the religions noted against each of the names on the register. The majority were Roman Catholic, as you might expect, and next the Church of Ireland. Most Presbyterians are up in Ulster, you know, so none of those in these parts. And next up were Methodists. And it's this last group we'll concentrate on for the remainder of this podcast letter. The Methodists in Ireland. Maybe you're already familiar with Methodism. The Methodists came out of the Church of England in the early 18th century, led by John Wesley. Now, the focus of Methodism is to help the poor and average person. Building relationships and social service is at the heart of Methodism. Their methodical observance of the rules of the Book of Common Prayer regarding works of charity earned them the derogatory nickname of Methodists, which they decided to keep. I do like that. The Methodists arrived in Ireland in 1747 and received most of their support and converts from the junior members of the British Army garrisons spread throughout the country. So most of the Methodist converts came from Protestant stock and a smaller number from the Roman Catholics. If you converted in those days, you crossed a great divide and mixed marriages were not condoned by society or the established churches. Looking at the Methodist surnames in Ballady Hub, County Cork in 1911, you can see this mix coming mostly with mostly English surnames and the smaller number of Irish Catholic surnames are listed here in the census. Surnames like Coy, Daly, Evans, Jennings, Johnson, Kingston, McDermott, Roycroft, Swanston, Willis, Wolfe, Woodhouse and Young. The surname Wolfe caught my eye and I'd like to tell you now about one special man linked to this surname. Peter Wolfe was one member of the Methodist Church whom I knew personally. He was also my wife's uncle. Peter married my wife's aunt in one of Ireland's first condoned mixed marriages, and that was in the 1970s. I remember Peter as a busy man with all the time in the world for the people around him. He ran a large business and had a young, energetic family. Yet, if you needed help or assistance, he gave you his full attention and enthusiastic support. He was a living embodiment of the stated intent of Methodism. Peter died at the young age of 71. In all the time I've known him, I don't think I ever heard him talking about religion. He just did it. He somehow married the best part of his beliefs to much of what we consider important in the Irish traditions. But there for for your friends, be there for your friends, your family and your community. Be accountable and let your actions speak for themselves. In Peter's memory, his son Mark completed an Ironman triathlon to raise funds for the Irish Cancer Society. 
He also managed to finish fourth. Well done. Over a grueling 11 hours of swimming, running a marathon and then cycling around the Ring of Kerry. A great achievement by Mark in memory of a special man. And I'm sure he was at your side all the way there, Mark. I realise that when I look up those textbooks' explanation of the different religions, I really don't get it. The descriptions rarely make sense to me. However, when I look at the attitude and actions of people like Peter Wolf, I then get it. The explanation is there for all to see. It's all about using whatever religion you choose to let the best of your humanity shine through to others. So let's finish with that famous Irish blessing for Peter and his family and for all of you and the special people in your life. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rain fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.
The beautiful voices there of the Ennis sisters from Newfoundland in uh, the, over there in Canada. And uh, Ennis, of course, being one of those Irish surnames that we found, we find, or rather, all around the island of Ireland. It's uh, from Mock Angus, uh, son of Angus, and it's also actually anglicised as McGuinness, so Ennis or McGuinness. So the Ennis sisters there with the chieftains, and the beautiful song Red is the Rose. Before that, you had Karina chatting there about Methodists in Ireland. And now back to Karina again, because now we're going to actually approach another minority religion in Ireland, the Quakers. We're going to look at the actual role of the Quakers during the famine, especially in Ireland. And then also look at the actual surprising link between a particular place in County Cork and Pennsylvania. So over to you, Karina. One of our readers, Noni Morrison, contacted us to share a story of one of her Mahoney ancestors. And here is what Noni had to say to us. I don't think I mentioned my husband's line of Mahonies when I first joined. They left from Dublin around the 1800s. The next place I remember that they were was in Tennessee, working in the lumber industry. Within a few generations, at least, there were Quaker and intermarrying with other Quaker families from Ireland. I'm wondering if perhaps being a Quaker had something to do with our immigrant Mahoney ancestor. This was in the time that the Quaker religion was very strong here, but within another generation or so, they mostly became Methodists, following the rise and fall of interest in religion across America's frontier. Anything more that you can tell us about this would be of great interest. The first thing I can say, Noni, is that your Mani O'Mahony ancestor may have left from Dublin, but at one stage they were certainly living in County Cork, where the O'Mahony surname is one of our more numerous surnames down here. Across the other side of County Cork, on the east side, you'll also find an area associated with this religious movement known as the Religious Society of Friends, but mostly known to us today, as you mentioned above, Noni, the Quakers. 
While your ancestors may not have been associated with the Quakers, I know that many of them left Ireland in the aftermath of the Great Famine of the 1840s. The authorities of the day, unfortunately, dithered in their reactions to the crop failures and starvation, first denying it, then insisting that starving and weakened people take part in labour projects to earn their food, all decisions with catastrophic consequences. The Quakers of East Cork and West Waterford had a more pragmatic approach to this problem. They felt that a starving person needed food and quickly at that. So they set up a number of soup stations keeping whole families alive. They'd no agenda, no expectations in return, merely doing what they felt was their moral duty to help another fellow human in distress. As a result, we now have many commemorative plaques recalling the support of the Society of Friends or the Quakers in this part of the county. The Religious Society of Friends, later known as the Quakers, were founded in England about 1647 AD and they established a power base in the north of that country. They arrived over to the north of Ireland about 1654 AD and spread to various parts of the country, often attracting disaffected English soldiers and their families who inhabited the various barracks around the island. Our story now travels back to County Cork. If you go to the small village of Shanagari in East Cork today, you'll find the ruins of Shanagari Castle. A certain young gentleman by the name of William Penn was schooled in this house by a Quaker tutor of the name John Lowe. He was 15 at the time and Lowe apparently left a large impression on the man who went on to found the colony of Pennsylvania. When his father, Admiral William Penn, later became ill, young William Penn returned to Ireland to manage the family estate. While there, he started to attend Quaker meetings and he finally joined the Quakers in Cork City at the age of 22. His family were furious at this decision and he was disinherited of land and title. However, over the next number of years, Penn's father had a change of heart as he witnessed his son's moral stand and missionary work, as well as a series of arrests and imprisonments. While close to death, William Penn Sr. managed to get the Crown to agree to protect young William in return for his own William Penn Sr.'s dedicated service down through the decades. In the late 1670s, William Penn Jr., proposed a mass emigration of Quakers from England to the Quaker region in the colonies of North America. The Quakers, under the leadership of Penn, purchased and were granted about 45,000 square miles of land in the colony of West Jersey. The region was renamed first to New Wales, but then was changed by King Charles II to the name Pennsylvania in honour of William Penn Sr., And so began Penn's holy experiment, inverted commas, in the new province of Pennsylvania. Penn went about selling the new colony to prospective settlers and he attracted many of the persecuted minorities across the countries of Europe. Mennonites, Catholics, Huguenots, Jews and Lutherans. He aimed to set up an ethical society 
that was built on a solid legal framework. Now, I won't say much more on the history of this new province, as I'm sure there are listeners who would do a much better job. But let's go back to Noni Mahoney's ancestor I mentioned earlier. When her Mahoney ancestor arrived in the USA in the late 1700s, he may have been without family and kin, but he was also, minus the societal pressures of home, lifted maybe for the first time in his life. As he moved to the frontier territory, the message of the Quakers, with their emphasis on self-determination, religious tolerance and non-hierarchy, must have held an attraction to so many of these frontiers men. My guess is that he converted to Quakerism sometime after his arrival in the US. Also, as Noni says, many of these early Quakers then changed to Methodism over time, a religion that offered a very similar philosophy to that of William Penn and his fellow colonists. And it seems that Methodism won out over time too, with over 7 million Methodists in the USA today as opposed to 150,000 Quakers. However, here in Ireland, the good deeds of these members of the Religious Society of Friends during the famine is still remembered across the country in commemorative plaques to be found throughout our land.
we finish up there with our third track from The Chieftains, very appropriately called The Merry Quaker. Hope you enjoy that. So we have three tracks there from The Chieftains uh, through today's show. Hope you enjoyed all of them. And uh, just before that, of course, we had Karina reading all about the Irish Quakers, the famine and Pennsylvania. You know, it's quite amazing to actually uh, still see that building, the castle, if you like, the place where uh, William Penn actually was brought up uh, back in the day before departing for Pennsylvania. And it's sitting there as a ruin covered in all sorts of um, foliage at this point in time and completely and totally neglected. So, you know, that kind of just puzzles me, I must say. And uh, I guess, you know, you wonder, on the other hand, is it the sort of place that you'd like to see kind of coach load after coach load of tourists kind of pull up and actually look and appreciate the connections? And I guess it's kind of somewhere in between folks, isn't it? It would not be very, very nice to see the place actually restored and actually given due credence, I suppose, for its significance in history and the connections between Ireland and uh, the colonies of North America, and the founding, of course, of the state of Pennsylvania. So there we have it. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, It was called Ireland, Religion, Methodists, Quakers and Pennsylvania. And hopefully all those words make some sense to you now as to why we actually chose them. If you're interested, you can actually find the full show notes at aletterfromireland.com forward slash seven two. Now, just to say as well, if you did enjoy today's show, you might just leave um, a note, you know, just a note for us to saying what you particularly enjoyed. We'd love to hear from you, um, either in the comment section below, if you're inside in some kind of forum, or indeed, if you're in an actual player on something like Apple Player or whatever it is, you can actually give um, some feedback there on the bottom of the player itself. So thank you again. Uh, great to actually have you along for this week's show and look forward to chatting again next week. Slán for now. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show and you can find full details of The Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán gafól, Karina. <laughs>